A warm welcome to everybody. My name is Aston and welcome to my channel. I'll be uploading a lot of ministry content, some preaching, some Christian apologetics, substance abuse recovery material, and some life coaching principles and strategies. We are continuing with our series, um, How to Build Your Life. Um, and we are taking that from Ecclesiastics, Ecclesiastes, some we pronounce, uh, chapter 3. And then we're going to do the whole chapter. Um, initially, I actually wanted to do chapter 3 and 4. But I think it's a nice way to end off chapter 3 with the ending of chapter 3. So, so let's get into it. Um, chapter 3, commencing from verse 1. And the reading of the word of our Lord is as follows. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. At time to keep a, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to tie to sew. And a time to to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain for his struggles? I've seen the task that God has given the, given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts. But no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It is also the gift of God whenever anyone eats, drinks, and enjoys all his efforts. I know that everything God does will last forever. There is no, there is no adding to it or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of him. Whatever is has already been, and whatever will be already is. However, God seeks justice for the persecuted. I also observed under the sun there is a wickedness at the place of judgment and there is a wickedness at the place of righteousness. I said to myself, God will judge the righteous and the wicked since there is a time for every activity and every work. I said to myself, this happens so that God may test the children of Adam and that they may see for themselves that they are like animals. For the fate of the children of Adam, the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so, as one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. People have no advantage over animals since everything is futile. All are going to the same place. All come from dust 
and all return to dust. Who knows if the spirit of the children of Adam go upward and the spirit of animals go downward to the earth. I have seen there is nothing better than for a person to enjoy his activities because that is his reward. For, how, for who can enable him to see what will happen after he dies? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege today for us to be able to open up your word to start off our day. Thank you, Lord, that as we open up your word today, that you will speak to us um, through your word. We thank you, Lord, for it is you that has put eternity in our minds. And thank you, Lord, that we can enjoy all it is that we put our hands, um, our hearts and our minds to today. We know, Lord, that you have given us this gift of life. And we need to enjoy this gift of life each and every day to the fullness of what you have given um, to us and to the praise of your glory, Lord. Um, not living as unwise people, but living as wise people, making the most of every opportunity that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, for the salvation that you have given to us who are away from you, that you have drawn near. Lord, we know um, that our sin has cut us off away from you. And because of that, Lord, we don't have eternity with you. But Lord, we thank you today for your grace, the grace and your mercy that brings us who are far away and draws us nearer to you today, that we can be called your children. To the praise of your glory forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, with us continuing in Ecclesiastes, um, chapter number 3, we see how the teacher teaches us that um, there is a time for everything. And looking through all of this, it, it, it's again one of those passages that sounds so poetic. Um, and I want us to look at it in terms of what we can learn, okay? Now, think of it. Every single day you have tasks ahead of you. Um, there is a time we normally, um, through, through, through the way we structure and order our day, there's a time for breakfast, there's a time for tea time, um, there's a time um, for lunch, there's a time for supper, there's a time for work, um, there's a time for sessions, there's a time for support group. Um, everything throughout the day has its time. And what we need to realize is um, that God has given us um, the gift of us being able to enjoy the day for what it is in the time frame for what it is. So let us go through it and let us see. It says, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. Mm -hmm. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to avoid embracing, a time to search, and a time to count as lost, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So everything has its appropriate time. And as you can see, as the, the, the um, teacher lists all of them, uh, he gives them in opposite to each other. There's a time for birth and then there's a time for death. Um, there's a time to laugh and there's a time to be sad. Um, there's a time for rejoicing and there's a time for mourning. Everything has its appropriate time. 
that God has given us under the sun. Verse 9, he says this, he says, What does the worker gain from his struggles? So this is something common that we see um, him speak about. What do you actually get from the work that you have? So remember in, in chapter number 1, um, generations come, generations go. Um, there, is, there is chapter 2, there is people that will come after you, that will enjoy um, the benefit of the work that you have done. You, know, you can build a business, you can have an inheritance, and you can die. And then who's to say the people that comes after you will be wise to manage what you worked your entire life for, um, that they will be wise after you. So um, what do you really gain from what you do? Now, I want us to pause on that light and I want us to fast forward a bit to the New Testament, which we're going to be doing uh, uh, quite, quite a bit throughout chapter 3. Um, we know that the Bible teaches us that there is a reward for what we get. Um, the Bible teaches us that um, we shouldn't store treasures on earth um, where somebody can break in and steal, where the moth can actually destroy it, um, where, where we can lose the value of it. But what we should be doing is storing our treasure in heaven. Now remember something, heaven is a place and you'll see how this is a concept that is in the mind of, of, of the teacher because he says that God has actually placed eternity in our hearts or in our minds. So God has made us think about the future and the fact that there can be life, a life beyond this life. And that is something that we need to keep in mind when we are busy with our endeavors in this life. There's a time for everything in this world, but there's also a time for us to think about what do we get for the work that we do. But then it calls us to think about what is the type of work that we are doing. Um, are we living and laboring for just um, what is going to fade away and what is going to pass away? Are we actually keeping the concept of the everlasting and the internal in mind? Now, when we come to the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, how... Um, when we come to the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, um, and so in the Lord's Prayer, um, we see how Jesus, Jesus says, um, when, when praying to the Father, teaching us the format of prayer, He says, um, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So remember something, we don't wait to get to heaven st to start living as God has intended for us to live. We start living like that here on earth. And that is what we can only find in redemption through the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to come back to that thought uh, later on in, in, in the passage. So verse 9 again, it says, What does the worker gain from his struggles? I have seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. Now, here's this phrase, the children of Adam, that he uses. So the children of Adam, when we go to Romans chapter 5 from verse 12, the Bible teaches us how sin actually enters the world through Adam. So what Adam does in the Garden of Eden when Adam sins, Adam causes the future of humanity to be sinful. So what has God given to a sinful, fallen creation? Okay, so keep that in mind. Um, verse 10, I have seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts. But no one can discover the works God has done from beginning to end. Now, here it teaches us a little bit more about the sovereignty of God. Remember, we call him Alpha and Omega. Uh, that's what the word teaches us of who he is. He's the one that has existed before times, um, the ancient of days, and he's the one that will last 
forever. His, his throne, his dominion, his lordship, his rule, his reign. God will be enthroned forever. And I mean, think about that. Through generations to come, generations to pass, kingdoms to come, kingdoms to pass. There is one kingdom that actually lasts and stands and remains forever. Now, in this fallen world, God has actually put the thought of the everlasting and the eternal in the minds of sinners. So, it takes me back again to what Paul the Apostle teaches when he writes his letter to the church at Rome. Um, he teaches us that all of us are sinful. Um, there is none that is righteous. There is none that seeks after God. We all actually um, have gone astray. And what it teaches us is this, is that um, when we are learning, when, when, when we are learning um, about us being sinful, when we are, as we are learning that um, we are a fallen and a sinful world and a, and a sinful humanity, we actually don't go in pursuit of God. We go in pursuit of our own endeavors. And the reality of us pursuing our own endeavors is that our endeavors is actually to suppress the reality that God exists. So we, we don't look at um, the fact that there is creation. We try and pursue things like science to understand creation. But science has never proven um, anything with creation. That's why in science they use the term theory, the Big Bang Theory. Okay, it's a theory, it's not a, a truth. It's not the Big Bang truth. It's never been proven to be a truth. It's just a theory. It's a concept that people are trying to understand as creation in their particular worldview. But here's the reality of what Paul the Apostle teaches us in Romans, is that even those atheists actually believe that there is God. God has actually made himself known to everybody. Everyone knows that God exists. So God has put eternity in their minds. But we go in pursuit of our own endeavors. So keep that in mind and let's read verse 9 and verse 10 again. What does the worker, what does the worker gain for his struggles? I have seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts. But no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. Now here's the thing, we can never even begin to grasp the fullness of who God is. The fullness that we have in the explanation of who God is, is what we have in Scripture. So according to the scripture, that's the fullness of God that dwells bodily in the person of Jesus Christ. That we understand. But there's far above and beyond what we can see that we haven't even begun to even discover that we will have one day for eternity. Now, I like the way Paul puts it again in, 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 in the concept and the principle of the godly type of love that he speaks of in uh, Corinthians th uh, chapter 13. He says, now we see but a dim reflection, but then we will see face to face. So what we see today is, is but only just like a mist. But one day we will see holistically and completely the majesty of our Lord and Savior. Verse 12, I know that there is nothing better for a man than to, than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. Now when you look at that, the good life, please don't assume that the good life is um, by the terms of what we describe as the good life. You know, as a sinner, the good life for us is enjoying your sin. You know, it's partying and things like that. Now, we know he's not talking about that. Why? Well, the previous chapter, he's spoken about that. 
Um, he, had, he had delighted in the pleasures of man. He had acquired concubines for himself. Everything his eyes looked at, he didn't deny his heart the desire thereof. So anything that he wanted, he could have. But he found all of that to be meaningless. But the one thing that really has meaning is to enjoy the gift of life that God has given you today. So what we learn from this is God wants us to be content with what we are doing at this point in time and to enjoy what He's actually giving us. Not to be thinking about the lusts of the future, the pride of one's lifestyle, the things that we don't have, the things that our neighbor has, but actually to enjoy what God has given us now. First way off again, he says, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. The good life is the life that God has given us. Not the life of sin that we want to enjoy, but the life that we've been redeemed from. The life that we've been saved from. The good life. Verse 13, It is also the gift of God whenever anyone eats, drinks, and enjoys all his efforts. Now here's the thing, okay? Think of your day to day and all that you have to do. Now, normally we approach our tasks and the, 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 there's a phrase that I actually like and we have to learn how to reframe what we say and change it to this phrase. So, let's say for an example, um, I, have, I have to do, uh, I have interviews today, okay? So, you hear what I said? I have to do. And normally we look at our tasks as things that we have to do, but we never see it as things we get to do. Now, there's a difference between have to do and get to do. Have to do means, um, I wish I could do something else. But now, I, I, I have this that I have to now do. But when you look at something and you are looking forward to you enjoying what is ahead of it, you think of it as something that I get to do. I get to do interviews today. Do you see when I say I get to do something? It's as if I'm enjoying the fact that there is something that I have before me today. Now, this is how we should look at life. God has given us the gift for us to enjoy, to enjoy the food we eat, to enjoy what it is we have to drink, and to enjoy the tasks that we get to do, um, that, that we get to do throughout the day. Not that we have to do, that we get to do. That is actually a gift from God. Everything throughout the day, our hands puts um, to the touch. These are things that we call in theology, we call it um, the general graces. The specific grace that we have is God saving us from our sin. But the general grace we have, and here's the reality, God has given grace to everybody. Not everybody has saving grace, but everybody has grace. You know why? Doesn't people get to go to work today that don't know God? That's a gift God has given them. Doesn't people get to drink, to eat? That's a gift that God has given them. But then on that note, you will also say, but then again, Pastor, there's also an injustices that is done in this world. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it because um, in a couple of verses, it actually moves to the concept of some sort of injustices that is done and God being one that will judge um, um, humanity. Uh, verse 13, it is, also, it is also the gift of God whenever, when, whenever anyone eats, drinks and enjoys all his efforts. And know that everything God does will last forever. So think of it. What God actually does, what God has done, what God is doing, is what will remain forever. He says, forever. There is no one adding to it or taking from it. So, here's one of my famous sayings. God doesn't need you. I got a, a message from a dear friend of mine, and he said this to me. He said, Pastor, you are needed in the kingdom. Now, here's the, here's the thing. 
God don't need me. Think of it. If I die tomorrow, will the sun not will the will the sun forget to rise? Will the earth forget to spin because Aston's no longer in existence? No. God doesn't need me. Is God using me? Yes. Do I enjoy the fact that God is using me? Yes. Am I privileged enough for God to be using me? Yes. But God doesn't need to use me. God can end me and replace me so quickly. God doesn't need me. And here's the thing, God doesn't need any of us. We are the ones that needs God. We are the ones that need the breath that we are breathing, the food that we are eating, the work that we have to enjoy throughout the day. That is the gifts that God gives to us. What is the one thing that you have that God needs? God, now remember this, the minute we say or we assume that God has a need of any person or anything, that's when God stops being God. Think about it. If God has a need, He's not God. And the God of the Bible doesn't have a need. He's God. There's no need in God. God doesn't stop to be God. God continues to be God. Verse 14, I know that everything God does will last forever. Everything that He does will last forever. Now think of it. Our work fades away. It's meaningless. Our pursuits of pleasure is meaningless. Our pursuits of, of, of building, of structure, of work is meaningless. We can but only enjoy what God has given us. But our pursuits is actually meaningless. I know that everything God does will last forever, he says in verse 14. Then in point B of verse 14, he says, there is no adding to it or taking from it. So we can't add to the work of God. We can't subtract from the work of God. There's nothing we can do to add to it. God is God and He's God all by Himself. God works so that people will be in awe of Him. So we have to see God in the Scripture for who He is. The Sovereign Lord, the Creator of all humanity, the Creator of the heavens of the earth, the Triune God, the Providence of God, all three persons of the Godhead at work at once simultaneously. God doesn't need us. We can't add to His work. We can't take away from His work. We can just enjoy what God is doing and what is God, God has done for us. So coming to the title of our topic, how do you really build your life then? Well, here's it. Enjoy what God has given you and look at that that God has given you to bring you in glory and awe of who He is. Think about it. Um, we went last week and we enjoyed some, 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 some time of rest. We went to the pool and we went to have some view. Um, in our sinful fallen state, we even enjoyed the view of things that was uh, presented to appease the eyes of man, um, um, the lusts of one's flesh. But we went to enjoy the scenery of, of what God is, has made. And, and think of it, isn't it nice having a helicopter view? Standing above things, being on the top of a mountain, being able to look over things. But here's the reality. You can look at those beautiful houses and things, but there's also the beauty of the land that God has made. The fact that we, had to, we could walk up that hill was a beauty that God has made. We can see God's work in all of creation. Now here's the thing, okay? You can destroy all those houses, but that hill can still be there. What God has made, what God has put in order, what God has put in structure, lasts forever. Our work is futile. Our work is meaningless. The only thing that we can find to meaning in life 
is to enjoy what God has given us. And remember something, we are in, we are in what we call wisdom literature. Now, the thing about wisdom literature is not everything said in wisdom literature is a truth saying. So I'll give you an example in Proverbs. In Proverbs it says, train and raise a child in the ways of the Lord and he will not depart. We know a lot of people that have trained their children in the ways of the Lord and they've departed. It's a principle that is given to us using wisdom, but it's not God promising you that if you raise someone in the ways of the Lord, that um, they won't depart. There is people that is burning in hell fire because um, of their sin, yet they've been raised in the ways of the Lord. You know, people like to use the example, they call them PKs, pastor's kids. You, know, you look at some pastor's kids. You look at some pastor's kids, excuse me. You look at some pastor's kids and they, they, they are going about doing as they please, living as they please. And in reality, you know, if a pastor can't actually manage his own household, um, then he shouldn't actually be a pastor. Because how can he disciple a congregation if he can't even disciple his child? But we see in reality that uh, children at a young age, you know, people say, oh, the babies are so innocent. That's not the innocent child. That child will moan and groan and cry until they get what they want. Until you put that bottle, that dummy in their mouth. They want something to appease and satisfy them. That is sinful from the beginning until the end. We then do the same thing in our grown age, in our grown um, stages of our life. So what do we really get from the labor that we have? Enjoyment. Enjoyment for the fact that it is God that has given it to us. We shouldn't find enjoyment in sinful pleasures, but in the, in the enjoyment of what God has given us. And that's how we have to learn how to build our lives as Christians. Not to enjoy the things that this world will give us, but to enjoy the things that last forever. Our pleasures will fade away. And that is something that us who come from, from drug addiction should know and should remember. The law of gravity, what goes up must come down. You know, um, every high has a come down. You know, you, you are high for a moment and then you withdraw. Then you have your withdrawal symptoms and you're grumpy, you're irritable. Those pleasures can't satisfy you like God can. What God gives us lasts forever because that is the work that God is doing. When we are a generation that fades away and a generation comes after us, it is that work of God that will still remain in humanity. Our works can be destroyed. We can't enjoy or delight in the pleasures of things that we can make, we can construct, or we can put together. But we have to delight in the pleasures that God has given. Why? Because God's pleasures will remain forever. Because God's work remains forever. Our generation will fade away. A new generation will come. And what will be the one thing that is presented to all the work that God has done? Our work will fade away. Our labors will fade away. Verse 14 again. I know that everything that God does will last forever. There is, there is no adding to it or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of Him. Whatever is, has already been. And whatever will be, already is. However, God seeks justice for the persecuted. So remember I said uh, the teacher takes a turn to, to um, this thing of, of justice and injustice. So let us see verse 16. He says, I also observed under the sun there is a wickedness at the place of judgment and there is a wickedness at the place of righteousness. You know, that means everybody that comes before the judgment of God is actually wicked. Whether those that are, are seen to be the righteous 
or the, or, 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 or the wicked. Um, we all have sinned before God. Verse 17, he says, I said to myself, God will judge the righteous and the wicked since there is a time for every activity and work. Now, think about it this way. Our activity and work will come to an end and we will be before the judgment throne of our Lord one day. So there's a time to do what you want in life, but there will be a time for you to die and there will be a time for God to judge the work that you have done. And we can either be on the aspect of righteousness or on the aspect of wicked. Now here's the thing, even in the aspect of righteousness, the righteous person is a person that is made righteous because God makes you righteous even though you are wicked. And that teaches us and points us to the cross. Because it's at the cross where Jesus, our Lord and Savior, lays down his life to render the sinner righteous in God's sight. Remember what, what the New Testament teaches us. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We don't have a righteousness of our own, which means it's not my doing that makes me righteous, but it's God's ability to save me from my sin that makes me righteous. Verse 17, I said to myself, God will judge the righteous and the wicked since there is a time for every activity and every work. I said to myself, this happens so that God may test the children of Adam and, and they may see for themselves that they are like animals. Now you'll think, what does it mean by they are like animals? Well, listen to this, verse 19. For the fate of the children of Adam and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Now that's, a, that's quite a, a, a blow, if you think of it. Um, the teacher is calling humanity like animals. But the concept is this. We all die. Now here's the reality. When you rewind back to what he said um, in, the, in, 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 in earlier verses, he says this. He says, God has put eternity in our minds. Now, for us, our faith, if we do not have righteousness that is found in Christ, would be like that of an animal. We will die and we will have eternal separation from God. Which means we will experience death for what it is, separation from life. And God is the giver of life. That's what Romans, um, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 teaches us. While we were still dead in our sins and our trespasses. So to be dead is what? To be in sin and trespasses. And what is that? To be separated from God. Why? Because we have sin in us. And God makes us alive with Him in Christ Jesus. So God makes us alive in Christ Jesus. Well, we are made alive who were dead in our sins. And being alive now is to be with God in Christ Jesus. Well, what about those who continue to live in their sin? Well, the same fate like the fate of many that we see, the day of death, which means the eternal time of separation and judgment, nobody can escape. I mean, think about that. What do you really gain for your work? What, how do you really build your life if you're going to build your life on, on a foundation that keeps you or takes you away from the enjoyment of what God wants for you to enjoy in life? You plunge yourself into sinful desires, um, the desires of man, and then in the end, we have nothing to show of our work. 
Um, all of our work will be tiled in fire. I mean, think about that. You know, can, can you take your job title with you to the fire? Do you think your job title can survive? See, we should labor to enjoy everything it is that God has given us and for us to be in awe of who He is. Verse 19, For the fate of the children of Adam and the fate, uh, um, and the fate of the animal is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. People have no advantage over animals since everything is futile. Verse 20, All are going to the same place. All come from dust and all return to dust. You know, we say that um, in, uh, at funerals, um, when we do the, 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 the committal um, and, and, and we're closing off and as the coffin goes down, um, there's the saying that we use, from the dust you were made and to the dust we shall return. That's where we get it from. Go back to the dust. I mean, think about it. If you've ever attended a funeral, there's those questions that pops up in your mind. To see someone you love placed in a box and lowered down and put back into the ground. And remember this, where does God form humanity from? Where does God form Adam from? From the dust. All are going the same place, verse 20. All come from dust and all return to dust. Verse 21. Who knows if the spirit of the children of Adam go upwards and the spirit of animal go downwards to the earth? Now here's a question that he asked that later on we find the answer to. And the answer is found in Christ. Christ actually tells us that we can experience the resurrection from the grave, the resurrection and the life. That if Jesus, our Lord and Savior, could conquer the grave, we too can live and walk in the newness of life. Colossians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. We have the ability to experience eternity with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. Verse 22, I've seen there is nothing better than for a person to enjoy his activities. How much times is he coming back to this? In the previous chapters, in this chapter twice, there is nothing better than for us to actually enjoy. You know what that means? God wants us to be content with what we have and to find satisfaction in what we have and not in what we don't have. And this is coming from a man that is built, he, he owns forests, reservoirs, buildings, constructions. Uh, he's delighted in the pleasures of man. Everything his eyes see, he can grant himself the desire. This is a man that has everything. And he's saying, you know what? One thing that I've seen that has meaning, enjoy what God has given you. you know, that, it takes me to Paul the Apostle when he's in prison and he writes his letter to the church at Philippians. And he speaks about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now remember this, that doesn't mean you can do all things. You must remember the, the context of the word used there for all. Isn't anything that you can put in the category of all. Okay? He speaks about whether we are fed, or whether um, hungry, whether naked, or whether clothed. I've learned the secret of contentment, that I can do all things in Christ. It means that even when you're at the worst state in your life, you know that you have the general graces that God has given you. The ability to enjoy the task before you, and you can do all things through Him who gives you the strength. God gives you the strength when you don't have to enjoy the pleasures of what is actually given you to enjoy. That's what it means to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
Verse 22 again. I have seen that there is nothing better than for a person to enjoy his activities because that is his reward for who can enable him to see what will happen after he dies. And again, he points us to the bigger picture. The Bible teaches us. Now, remember, the enjoyment of this good life um, that he's speaking of is not the pleasures of sinful desires. It's the simplicity of the things that we are neglecting in life. Does God give us a meal to eat every day? You know, it might not be the meal that, that somebody else is eating, but you have to enjoy that that God has given you. You know, um, I, look, I, I look at it sometimes, you know, um, not, not, not every day is Christmas um, at the center. And what I mean by not every day is Christmas is, and not every day we have the same meal. Um, not every evening you'll eat chicken. You know, sometimes we have soya. You know, um, for lunch, uh, we have some peanut butter and jam. And you'll see sometimes that people will lift open the sandwich and look at it like, and put it down. And it's almost as if a disgust or, ah, you know? But that's what God, that's when you can do all things to Christ who strengthens you. Because now you're not having what you used to, what you want. Can you be content with the simplest things in life? This is how we need to actually build our life. By becoming content with the simplest things that God has given us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege that we have to be, be able to enjoy this day. As we go through our enjoyment of this day, Lord, our task that we have before us, that I see that as a gift that you have given us. As we go through this day, Lord, um, and we have food to eat, um, water to drink, Lord, let us see that this is from you. Let us be reminded, Lord, of all your gentle graces that you have given us, and let us be in awe of who you are. You are above all things. You are the creator of all things. What we can work for and labor for will be destroyed one day. Another generation will come after us. But Lord, what you have done will last forever. And for this, we give you the glory, the honor, and all of the praise. Thank you, Jesus, that through what you have done at the cross and the resurrection from the dead, you have placed eternity in our hearts, that today we can grasp not only the enjoyment of this life, but even the preparation for the life to come. Align us with your ways. We thank you, Lord, that your will will be done and your kingdom will come on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. And let us continue to live in this principle. To you be the glory both now and forevermore. In the name of our Lord and of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.